0: It's my favorite time of year. Not only is this the season premiere of our fourth season, but we're kicking things off with our Hot Rules of Hot Halloween series. And I got a feeling this is going to be our best season yet. So with no further ado, we're talking movies. We're talking Skin Marine. Starring Lucas Paul, Dally Rose, Terlet, and Ross Paul. Written and directed by Kyle Edward Ball, Chris... Cut
1: back. Hey everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie. As Scott said, we're going to be talking about the Canadian experimental horror film from 2022, Skinnerink. As well, through October, we are going back to our hot ghouls of Halloween. We have some amazing guests coming up. Uh, programmers from the Blood in the Snow Film Festival, as well as American filmmakers. Uh, we also have a, a producer, a local Canadian producer, who's going to be on the show as well. Uh, so yeah, without further ado, back to you, Scott. All
0: right. So before we 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 start on this movie, uh, I just want to say this movie has one of the best trailers that I've seen released in, in recent history. It's like...
1: Well, that that good, because that's about the only thing that's... Wait, wait, I'm not that... Okay, okay okay okay, 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 okay,
0: okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, because, like, it gives you everything, like, what this movie is, and nothing what this movie is. And it has, like, a whole um, old-school horror, like, 70s satanic panic vibe, similar to, like, Amityville and, or, like, Rosemary. That's, like, the vibes it gives you on the trailer. But, Chris, tell me. How do you feel about a horror movie of stock footage? <laughs> Did it make it scary?
1: Well, I mean, let's be honest. So first off, it isn't all stock footage. There the there was a cinematographer. They shot at... Uh, so the director is uh, Kyle Edward Ball from Edmonton, uh, Alberta, Canada. Uh, he had a cinematographer in Jamie McRae, uh, who, funny enough, is typically a gaffer and grip. Like, this is their first film as a cinematographer they they didn't even come out of the camera department right so um yes there is some stock footage that is actually not even my criticism of this film uh my uh i'll I'll be honest like this is such a fucking overhyped film like one of the things and i know that i'm gonna get take a lot of flack for this but one thing about like the genre fans is like They're like they they will support a fucking film regardless. Like it is actually one of the reasons why often, uh, especially nowadays, I seem to find that filmmakers, when they're including myself, when we decide that we want to do our first feature, we don't start trying to write like the great drama, you know what I mean, Or, or or a rom com or anything that we're like they're gonna do action or they're gonna do horror or something like that because you're like I can sell it and the fucking fans will be like. It's almost like they just respect the the fact that you were willing to go out and try and make them something. Um, actually, I, I want to, I, because I've got to, I'm going to fucking just keep talking if I do. Scott, what did you think of the film? Like I said, I, I think that it is super overrated. Why don't we just start there? Well,
0: yeah, okay. Um, me, I watched it with my um, middle child, because uh, she's really into horror movies, and um,
1: well, and the other one's at university, so I'm pretty sure she wasn't coming home to just watch yeah, movies yeah, yeah. with you, dad. You, well, we could have watched it over Zoom together. But anyways. Um, watching you if, watch if this you film. To... Oh, hold on. Watching this film over Zoom with your daughter would have been more enjoyable than watching this film. Um, But here's the
0: thing. Like, if you had to ask me what the plot of this movie was, I would have no idea. Right. Like I I have no idea what the, the thing was, but I'll be honest, like it it encompassed a vibe and like an atmosphere where like I was entrenched in it because I needed to pay attention. Right. Like we were we were looking at shit like intensely, like, okay, did that thing just move? Did the door just open? Uh the one thing that I like we we're talking about in terms of the cinematography, like because it seems like you're technically being POV of either the children or of the entity that's in the house. So like you're pretty much seeing through those eyes if um and that's what i got out of it is that what you got out of it too because the way they'd shot the cameras like some cameras were like really low because your child view other ones you're like at the wall and like looks like you're looking at the ceiling down at these kids
1: so i think some of that is true uh i don't know how much the director really was thinking about like whose perspective of this is Uh, I think that so okay so a bit of history on Ball the director Uh, as I said he's from Edmonton Alberta this film was actually shot in his childhood home I think that's super cool Uh, you know I was reading a CBC article where he like shouted out to his mom for like you know allowing them to shoot there and having the toys from when he was a kid which you see in the film so he originally ran a YouTube channel uh, and I mean the the channel still exists it's called Bite Size Nightmares uh, where he basically took People would like put in their comment section, things that scared them. Then he would make little four or five minute kind of short films about that experience. And then from that, he went on to do a short film called Heck, which is about 30 minutes. Uh, It's also on his YouTube channel. They're all the same style of shooting. So when I say that I don't think he put a lot of like thought into who the POV is, I don't mean that as like, him as a director just didn't pay attention. I think that it's deliberately just more about showing the, it's, it's very audience focused, right? It's less about, okay, so I'm going to show the audience something through something's eyes. I feel like it's more just like, I'm going to show the audience imagery. Um, and because it's, it's, it's experimental. And it's, it, the, the, typically the definition of, of experimental when you're looking at film festivals and stuff is has a non-narrative structure this definitely has a non-narrative structure. Like I was looking at the Wikipedia uh, plot description and it implies way more like narrative structure than there is. Like this essentially is just like, you basically got to kind of roughly figure out what the fuck is going on and you may or may not be right about that. Um, So one of the things is I want to critique the film I actually don't want to critique the filmmaker because I think that he did a good job doing what I think he was actually trying to do. Uh, my one, my big criticism of him is I would, I'd love to actually chat with him. I actually might hit him up on, on Twitter and just say, why did you choose hundred minutes? Because this, so if you want to go with like the Academy definition of a feature film, it's 40 minutes and above. Uh, often we talk about like feature film for distribution 80 maybe 70 is kind of um the kind of the minimum uh but even that has changed in the world like you this could have been 60 minutes on shutter which is where i saw it i saw it on shutter um so i I would really like to know what made him go as long as he did because you could just just you could randomly cut out so much of this and it would just make it a more enjoyable experience so I, i would like to know he did direct it he wrote it and he edited it, so I would like to know what logic was used there. Because it's it's a fucking... Grindfest wasn't even, like, isn't even the word for it. Like, I was constantly checking the runtime, being like, oh my god, like, I still have an hour of this fucking film to watch.
0: Well, I think, that, like, uh, when I was joking around about stock footage, because um, that's the thing, you would go, and it would seem like it's a minute, to two minutes of you know just a fly on the wall in a blue filter with a flashlight on it right and you're just staring at it and it just has the, um, the little sounds or whatever which sounds like it's like the film getting like recorded and then looped or whatever right yeah like, and you even know what though I they mean? shot
1: it on digital they definitely used like a filter to give it that like grainy film stock vibe you know what i mean
0: yeah, yeah and, and that's the thing that I kind of appreciated with it. But yeah, like it uh, I did like in terms of everything in this film, like the um, the what you might call it, the the subtitles. Like anytime somebody talks, you you know, it's so low and so muffled that they needed the subtitles on there, but sometimes you would have like the full like, you could hear it perfectly, but still have the subtitles kind of thing. The only thing that fucked me up is the one part, you know, when it's, like, come to the basement. Like, we we couldn't understand what it was, what it was saying, and it didn't have the subtitles. So we put on, like, um, closed captioning. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a mistake, because it would tell you everything that was about to happen before it actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> so we're, like we're like oh he's gonna turn on a flashlight now (laughs) and we're like but yeah like the thing like it like my favorite moment and scene of this film is that bedroom scene where the girl goes up and for no apparent reason her her parents are just sitting on the edges of the bed well it's one parent and then one parent disappears and it's the other parent
1: Yeah, that's and that's, I think, about, what, 45 minutes in or something like that?
0: Yeah, and then it's just like, look underneath the bed, right? And like me and my daughter were like, oh, get ready for that fucking jump scare, right? Like, get ready for it. And then nothing happens. And then it goes up and you see the other parent. And then it's like, close your eyes. And then you see, like, the camera go black. And you're like, fuck, get ready for this jump scare. And then it's nothing. And then it's just like. She go tells the whatever presence or whatever is in there, tells her to go away. And then when she like hesitates, that's when the shit just like jumps out of the closet and you're like, what the fuck? So, <laughs>
1: right? so I, I'm glad you brought up that point because I actually took specific note. That's how I knew it was roughly in the like 45 minute mark, because at that point, there's very good tension. And I was doing the same thing in my mind, right? I'm like, okay, this is where the jump scare is, and I'm like, and if it's not here, they're gonna do the part where you think there's a jump scare, you relax, and then, bah, right? And and it didn't, mm-hmm. and it didn't, and it didn't. So, like I said, there's there's some very good filmmaking here, like it's competent. Actually, so the, I'm my quote this week is from Chuck Bowen from Slant Magazine, and he says, "Skinnermerek is confidently made, and certain upside down images are especially creepy." But its spell is broken by the sheer ungodly slowness, which springs from a paunchy of uh, a paunchity of ideas. And I get it. Like, I agree. I think he's doing good work as a filmmaker. (laughs) You're making a hundred minute fucking experimental film. You, You know where I feel like this would work? If you were at like a cool Halloween party, like a rave or like dance function or something, and this was being like projected on the wall. Or in, like, a haunted house and it's projected on the wall and there's, like, nine-inch nails playing, playing behind it. Like, get rid of the actual soundtrack and it's just, like, do-do-do-do-do-do. Like, hardcore kind of music. Like, the imagery in itself is kind of creepy and eerie. But for a hundred-minute film, I'm like, this is fucking bullshit.
0: Well, first of all, let's let's calm it down there. Uh, I don't calm down. He, That's
1: not what I do. That's I what I'm here for. I was going to say, like,
0: he... He made this for fifteen, fifteen thousand dollars, and it made a million dollars in cinema. cinemas. Actually, so, it made
1: two million dollars in cinema.
0: Oh, even fucking better, and not counting how much he probably got for Shutter picking it up and the distribution there. To to be honest, so oh it and, and listen, and,
1: and there's hard hard copy releases of this. There's a special edition VHS. There's DVD and fucking Blu-ray. Right, so. So we let, yeah let's talk about the let's talk about the the money side of this. So as an as a film, I do not find it enjoyable. As an example of filmmaking, I think it's interesting. But let's talk about like the business side of it. Okay, go ahead. So you were saying? So
0: I think in terms of business side, the thing that I think for us that we can relate to it is, you know, uh, Blair Witch Project. Like this became kind of a viral thing on TikTok because I think there was uh from what I read there was like an issue when at its first um festival in which it got leaked and then everybody a bunch of people picked up on it and started releasing the shit on, TikTok, which then it became like a viral sensation and that's what got a lot more people into the theaters for it but it was, it was similar enough to you know us growing up with Blair Witch when it was the adolescence of the fucking internet where we didn't really know if the Blair Witch you know they marketed like this is a fucking real story right because it, it was the first kind of found footage thing and you're thinking you're like holy fuck right and then you You're just like, it's just a fucking baby. So I just want to, hold on, before we go, I just,
1: (laughs) I just pulled up Blair Witch's numbers. So it says it's got a budget between 200,000 and 750,000. I think 200,000 was probably the original print and then, uh, upgrading it and stuff when they went into distribution, maybe the marketing is included in that budget. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Anyway, so let's say even at the high point, 750 million, that fucking movie did 250 million (laughs) dollars. Sorry, 70, 70 uh uh seven hundred and fifty thousand was the cost at most two hundred and fifty million dollars fucking return. <laughs>
0: yeah similar to um whatchamacallit paranormal or no what is it paranormal yeah, yeah paranormal, paranormal activity paranormal house, right? which was what twenty-five thousand and it made like fucking shit ton of like it was the house that Bloom, <laughs> Bloom House built, but um but yeah, like I think what, like to go back to kind of what you're saying with genre, I think
1: so. Yeah, paranormal it was, was made for the same thing, roughly uh, fifteen thousand dollars with a two hundred fifty thousand dollar post production budget. This is after it got picked up, and it did roughly 200 million. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I think the difference with this one is I don't think it had the extended um theatrical well, it's, it's, right? well, it's not as
1: enjoyable like i mean both blair witch and paranormal activity are so blair witch is definitely more story driven well it right? has cause... a, yeah, yeah it has
0: a narrative
1: yeah 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 like, this is just like white noise and weird camera shit for fucking 100 minutes that's only gonna get you so far right
0: right right but um like to me like i think Because it's so experimental and stuff like that, I do think people should watch it because, like, it is... It is, especially for for students of film, it is, like, a really good, like, fucking presentation on how to build fucking tension in a film. Because every time there's a scene, you're, like, you're thinking, like, shit's gonna happen, and, and they build it very well. It doesn't pay off, but... It's still like I think there's only re- in reality what two, maybe three jump scares in this whole film.
1: Yeah, I mean I can I can I can count two definitely that that like you said the one at the forty five minute mark, uh, the basement one, the basement one, and like maybe the ending. It's not yeah, really a jump say, scare, well, but you know what I mean. It's it's just kind like, of like creepy, like ah,
0: yeah. But but yeah, like I think I think uh, it was well done. I like and I did. I'm glad we picked it as our, our first film for, for this one because, you know, it, it's a nice dovetail where, you know, we're still back into the Canadian roots for, of films and now we're moving on.
1: So, I mean, on the on, back to this topic of the leaked copy of it. So, it, you know, premieres at, or it doesn't premiere, sorry, it's at, it plays at Fantasia, which is, uh, for those that don't know, it's like one of the biggest uh, genre film festivals in the world It takes place in Montreal uh, Quebec and Canada and then it's I think it was during a European film festival it actually got leaks on lo- leaked online so it had already been picked up by AMC it's AMC I think that owns Shutter, correct right yeah so it had already been picked up by them they had like a late October release date or something this motherfucker starts leaking and so they have to release it sooner I wonder even though this wasn't intentional I, 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 I wonder if we would even be talking about this film if that leaked copy had not ended up on the internet and built that momentum, you know what I mean? Because otherwise, oh, mean like, it would have been AMC like, picks it up, they release it, like, I, I bet you it would not have gotten the theatrical distribution it, it had. Uh, I, I'd actually be wondering if AMC had ever even intended to do a theatrical release prior to its being released online.
0: Oh, you mean like... Um...
1: Direct to streaming, you know what I mean? You know, like
0: uh, you know, like the Deadpool. Like, what would we even have a Deadpool movie without that little leak? Whoever leaked that.
1: I don't know what you're talking about because I know nothing about Marvel movies because I'm a grown up.
0: Okay, so you're a fucking come on. You're you're supposed to be like a film historian. So the the Deadpool film, not
1: fucking kids movies, sure, but go ahead.
0: So you know, you know, Ryan Reynolds was trying to get that movie made and you know no go and then they uh test footage of it got released online like just no one knows who it was wink wink and it brought the internet ablaze because everybody loved it right and then that's what got the deadpool movie made so was
1: so because i i have no idea what you're talking about was it just ryan reynolds in the deadpool suit doing some like Interesting yeah, dialogue. funny shit,
0: and then no funny shit. It, it like the scenes in the movie. It's like him wait like coloring, and then he jumps into a car and beats up a bunch of fucking guys. I think it's like the intro to the movie, if I'm not mistaken. But um, yeah, that's what got it going, right? And I think similar to like Barbieheimer like using social media and using what you can especially kind of free tools if you're able to use it and not having a marketing tool, like marketing machine behind it if you can get it viral on the internet you're gonna fucking
1: make money off the oh, shit 100%, right? and in all those situations other than maybe that like you said the ryan reynolds thing might have actually been intentional barbie heimer like no no one thought that that was gonna drive both of these films. I actually just looked at that. I think Barbie is now the fifteenth highest grossing film. Uh, uh, Oppenheimer is like seventy or something like that. Like it's 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 at like nine hundred million. Barbie's well over a billion. Um, yeah, the internet can do great things, and and that's what I'm saying. I'm I think that this film, if that accidental release had not happened, I don't know if we would be talking about it right now. Um, I do think the fact that he so. It had a $15,000 budget that was mostly from crowdfunding. And this is where if you're a filmmaker and you have a YouTube channel that is successful, like you're actually doing content and you build a subscriber base. Again, I bet you, if you were to go back and look at his crowdfunding numbers, there's a good proportion of that that came from him being able to basically uh, monetize those subscribers, whether it's for a $1 dollar or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or whatever, um, it's a good way I mean this thing this happens as well if you're like an Instagram personality or whatever. Um, I think that it it allows you to use those people as an audience that could possibly give you money to fund your film. but again, I think it needs to be organic like you if you just go and try and if you just go and try and do crowdfunding often it's not successful because who the fuck are you? <laughs> and like you already need to have that audience base, you know what I mean
0: yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, and that's the thing. The thing that I, I kind of appreciated with this film, too, like, it, it it's kind of like, uh, well, oh, my God, what was the movie with Blanchett? Tar, mm. where all the credits are at the beginning of this film, right? Like, they thanked everybody. Like, everything's right at the very beginning. Well, and that's actually an
1: old-school, of- like, uh, credits used to be at the beginning of films.
0: Yes, I understand, but... Tar is kind of like the most recent one that I can think of that has actually done it. Most people have waited. Like, like name another one either than this movie that's done it in the recent years. Correct. Yeah, that's what I th- see. You shut me up because you got nothing. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. So I would honestly, in- instead of watching this, like, if you really don't want to, do- okay, if you don't want to devote the hundred minutes, I so I do agree with you, Scott. If you're a film person. Uh, if you're a horror person and you want to kill hundred minutes, uh, I, I would definitely watch it in the dark. Like if you watch this thing with the lights on and stuff, it's going to really degrade any effect it's going to have. Um, sure. Go watch it. If you don't, uh, I would check out his short film. Heck it's like I said, it's roughly 30 minutes. Uh, or you can just like watch a bunch of this stuff off his YouTube channel. And I mean, there'll be a link. I'll make sure there's links in our podcast, uh, podcast it what, would, what, what, comment section YouTube? and whatever <laughs> in the in the body of our, our podcast uh, description so the that will directly you link to his youtube because i think you should check that out i am de- i personally am not going to recommend you if you're just like you want to check out a film to go check this fucking thing out if you do turn it on watch a couple minutes fucking turn it off do not pay to rent it do don't do any of that he's already got enough money like good for him like i said I, I, as Good for- <laughs> as an independent filmmaker, I, I love the fact that this guy parlayed $15,000 into 2 million, whatever percentage of that he gets. I do wonder, is, is he going to be able to turn this into a filmmaking career or is he, because again, all his stuff is kind of, this is just the next, you know, uh, Heck is a is an extension of the YouTube channel. This is, and it basically acts well, as the Heck proof is of also
0: the proof of concept of this film. Sure. Right? So can he? I think he that's do, what he used to sell it.
1: Yeah. So can he do? Can he do other like? Can he do like a like a narrative film? That will be what's uh, interesting to see.
0: Like, I, I was trying to find it, but I couldn't find it because I know when this movie got released, the curator or guy from Shutter who picked up this film liked it so much that um, he's now, I believe, starting a production company with, and his first feature from this production company is going to be by this director because he believes in him so much. Now, whether or not they're going to do straight narrative or try to do, I don't know. I'll be honest, if you you, you were asking
1: me, do you want to, do you want to like bet on that production company, I would be like, no. Like that, that sounds fucking super risky considering uh, I think there's a lot of converging forces that happened that allowed, and that's that's me saying, you know, I I have a lot of faith in the genre audience department to drive films, but like there's a lot of production companies out there or sorry, um, yeah, there's a lot of production companies. There's still only so much distribution. Uh, Did you say that he's from Shudder?
0: Yeah, like he, I, like I was trying to find it again for the research, but uh, I couldn't find it because I didn't know how to like Google search it. But it, it was the guy who from Shutter, who I guess his job was to go watch these movies and pick them up so, to become mm. Shutter originals. And then he believed in this one so much that after and the success of it so much that he left Shutter to to start his own kind of thing and. I think he's bringing this director with him um, to try to do it. Now, whether or not, like I said, we're like, I don't know, because I still don't understand what 572 days were with the house, with the Legos on top of it was supposed to mean. Like, if we're just doing 500 of these films, I also don't think it's going to be very well. But I am going to be interested to see if he can do narrative because he can do fucking tension. Really,
1: really well,
0: right
1: so mm-hmm. listen, it's got a seventy two percent from the critics. It has a forty four percent from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. uh I don't have anything else to say about this film, like I said, good on uh on Kyle for uh making some money uh and uh, you know, also bringing uh Sharon, Sharon, Lois, and Brand into the conversation, which we didn't even talk about the fact that Skinnamarink... Uh, he referenced their, uh, song, but it's actually not their song. He said that it's actually an older, this Marinka Dinky Dink is actually an older song. Uh, it is kind of a fucking creepy song when you think about it. Just like the, it's, it's, yeah, it's got a vibe. Uh, great title, not such a fantastic film. Uh, yeah, that's all I got.
0: And that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdjoulikethatmovie.com.
1: checked right the fuck out and like i said i turn the lights off i put my phone down i really really i I don't try it a lot of things i definitely tried at this uh the idea of like okay give it the space it needs to do what it's supposed to do is overrated fucking overrated
0: but i'll give this the like i am never gonna fucking look at a toy phone with eyes ever the fuck again because they made that shit 100% creepy
1: production by Rod Shaver Vader Monkey Productions